So I definitely think having that, that image, having your trust already built in when you start working with a client is so important. Well, and pretty soon, my understanding is you can also see your house in a national ad campaign for Francesca's, <laughs> the jewelry company. Is that correct? Is this is this rumor that is correct? correct? That is correct. Francesca's came to our house in, in October and they made it snow here with fake snow nice. everywhere. You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. All right, well, good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast, an interview edition. It's the new year. This is our first interview of the new year. Super excited. Man, we got started with this podcast last year. We've already we've already had 25 episodes. And uh, by the time this comes out, I think, well, actually, this will be number 27, maybe. And so, man, just so blessed to have, have been able to launch that last year and uh, have a lot of plans for this year. So thank you so much for tuning in. We've gotten a lot of good feedback. I found out some people were listening I had no idea about, which is really cool and uh, just really excited. So today is another episode where we have an amazing interview. And so today we have a friend of mine uh, for several years and a good friend of my wife's and uh, her husband and I have been concert buddies for several years. And we wanted to bring on a good friend, Jessica Starr. How's it going, Jessica? Great, great. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. And I'm surprised to hear you have not done a podcast yet because <laughs> honestly, like, so a little background, Jessica and I, and I guess before we get too, started too much, Tavis, how are you doing? Tavis is with <laughs> us. He's not floating on a boat today. <laughs> I am here. I'm, I'm What's back, up, Tavis? Uh, two feet on the ground. So I'm good. And uh, yeah. I, I was going to comment that I'm, I'm impressed that Ashton must have been very excited to have Jessica on the show today because he is wearing a collared button-up tee or shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good, he's, not his, he's not wearing his normal sweatshirt, so uh, and, and he doesn't even have no. a hat on today. So you should feel very New privileged year. that he dressed oh, up yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. New year, new you, and by you I mean me. I'm trying to, you know, you know, put a little bit more presentation out there. So, uh, but yeah, Tavis has been floating in the Caribbean for a week. We'll on our Friday podcast, which we're going to record a little bit later today. We'll we'll dive into that. But Tavis has a tan for a reason. He's drinking coffee <laughs> for a reason because he actually evidently became addicted to coffee on his trip there a little bit. So, so. Jessica, why don't you start out and why don't you, I know you have an architecture background. Why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of a uh, journey into how you got where you are now and we'll kind of go into what you're doing these days in the business and what it's grown into on Instagram. But how did you get started with all this? Well, like you said, I have, I do have an architecture background. I have a master's in architecture and I actually worked in um, very high-end residential architecture after college and grad school. Um, for a few years doing multi, multi-million dollar houses. And I developed quite the champagne taste, <laughs> which does not go along with my budget. <laughs> so um, when we wanted to build our first house back in 2006, 2007, our budget was just not there. And we, we owner built, I designed the house. And then 
we did it again back in 2019, we built again our house and I shared pictures from that build on Instagram and I was getting lots of followers and getting, you know, lots of comments and DMs and pretty much at least weekly, if not daily, I was getting requests for our floor plan online, like in my DMs and in the comments. And so we kind of talked about it and we decided to start selling that floor plan, this floor plan of this house that I live in. And then it sort of grew from there. I now have several floor plans. And I also, when people buy the floor plan, they ask me to make little modifications to it here and there. And so I do spend a lot of time doing that. And then also in 2020, you know, prices went up and people kept coming to me and saying, you know, it's so expensive to build right now. Can we cut the square footage? They, we had already like gone through, you know, modifications process to make this the perfect house for them. And then they go and get it bid and it's so expensive because of the building prices. And I'm like, well, we need to cut off like a quarter of this house to be able to afford it. And that's heartbreaking for me. It's heartbreaking for them. And so we decided to put together our experience from our owner building experiences into a, a program to help people save that 25% instead of cutting off 25% of their house. Yeah, cool. Let's rewind just a little bit. Okay. So I know whenever you, well, first of all, you guys had a rental house up in the colony yep. at some point. Is that right? Did y'all, did. Yeah. was that y'all's house that you just no. house hacked and you just kept it or? No, um, we, we actually did have a house in the colony. Our first house that we bought was in the colony, but it wasn't. Okay the one that we used as the rental house. We bought the rental house later okay. on. Um, and, and then y'all had that, but then, so after that is when you custom built your house out in the, it was out in the country a little bit uh, north north of Dallas. Yeah, is that right? it was in Farmersville. So east of McKinney, okay. halfway between McKinney and Greenville. And we had 82 okay. acres and- um, Oh, wow. We built a, I want to say all together, because it, it had like a mother-in-law wing so my mom lived in like, she had her wing and then we had two guest houses with a bathroom and then our part of the house. So it was probably all together about 5,000 square feet. Oh, wow. And okay. um, yeah, we, I designed that, we owner built that and uh, we sold it in 2011. And then, and then the custom then that y'all built the next time was out in Granbury mm -hmm. on the lake and it's beautiful. We've been out there. Like I said, our families have known each other for a while. Y'all have had a bunch of people out there and had some parties and it's, it's great. Yeah. And you do such a good job of documenting it on Instagram. And that's, you know, a few years ago is you log on to Instagram. It's like, oh, Jessica and Cody's house looks great. <laughs> and then it's, you know, wow, these are really good pictures. And then there's, <laughs> holy cow, she's getting quite a following. And then you talk to to Cody two weeks ago, it's like, hey, what's up? He's like, I don't know. I'm, I may quit my job relatively <laughs> soon and help Jessica out. I was like, what the heck? You know, it's like, yeah. I, it's unbelievable to see the the progress of everything. So yeah. Tavis, um, I want to ask you this too, but I'll ask Jessica first. So super curious, because I would love to do some new build at some point. That's, that's a goal of mine, at least once to do a new build on a lot somewhere um, and do an infill type lot. So whenever you're starting out, mm -hmm. you know, of course, if you had all the land and you had an unlimited budget, that's one thing. But most people have restrictions of either lot size mm -hmm. or budget or both. Mm -hmm. So what what are the first three or four things when you're sitting down to really think through a project? Like what are where do you start creatively or do you start more with the the actual hard facts? OK, what are we working with? And we work backwards. So what is your thought process on that sort of thing? 
you definitely have to have kind of an overall budget knowing what you can afford. If you're planning to live there and pay the mortgage, you know, every month, you need to know, obviously, that you can afford it. So, and then I would start with the land because often it's difficult to match a piece of land to a floor plan. It's much easier to find the piece of land and find the right floor plan for that land. Um, Say there's a view out the back. I'm sorry, the dog. There's, you know, if there's a view out the back you want to take advantage of, you want to find a floor plan that takes advantage of that. If you're facing, you know, if you've got two close neighbors and tight setbacks, you need to make sure that your plane is going to fit. So I would say definitely you want to find your land first, then your floor plan. And, you know, I also get a lot of people asking me, you know, how do I know how much a floor plane is going to cost to build? And um, basically we just kind of start with ballpark numbers. You know, you have an estimate and you can call builders in the area. You can call realtors in the area and find out what's the average cost per square foot in this area for, you know, a mid to high end home. Probably they can give you a low, middle and high end range and you can sort of figure out Mm. where you fall in there. So that'll give you, okay, that's the number of square feet. And that number that you're going to get from the builder is, I mean, from the realtor, the builder, and that's the cost to build with a builder. So Tavis, on your on your end, I know you've done this before. So kind of, I'm sure it's similar. But what are your thought processes when you're starting out a new build like that? I've got lots of questions for Jessica, just because <laughs> we have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, similar experiences for sure. Uh, you know, it, so I think you know it's important for people to understand. One is, and and this is interesting. I'd like to hear it from your perspective. Um, when you're calculating dollar per foot, are you calculating an overall number based on the gross square footage um, that you're coming up with, or are you doing a net square footage and then cutting that in half for the gross square footage when you include garages and covered patios, et cetera? How do you normally calculate that? In the past, when I've built uh, from the ground up, for me, it's it was easier just to kind of figure out total cost, total square footage under roof and and figure that number out but i've noticed over the years it's confusing when you talk to other builders and you talk to other developers that sometimes that number's off right that they're using it based on the net square footage versus the gross square footage and that could be confusing so if you want to talk a little bit about that um i think that's important for people to understand because that's something that in traditional real estate or, or or when we think investment real estate and use arv we're using net square footage to figure out value, right? Yeah, heat, heated square footage, right? That's kind of net is what you're talking like heated square footage usually? Living area. Yeah, uh, heat and AC, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. usually when we're doing the ballpark, we're looking at living area and then you we kind of add a percentage. So say they say it's $100 a square foot. That's just a number I'm throwing out. Then you might add like $60 per square foot for garage and porches or something like that. Got it. So you're, you're doing it based on a on a percentage uh, mm-hmm. value or, you know, cutting that number down for the for the additional spaces. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're doing it off a of net square footage, the, the dollar per foot is going to be higher. Right. Right. When you're looking at cost to build right. um, versus looking at it from the gross perspective, but you're leaving square footage out. So it's important, like if you're do, doing an analysis on a vacant piece of property, for instance, and you say, you know, okay, we're going to buy the lot for $300,000 and we're going to build a 4,000 square foot home, you're, you're leaving out, you know, covered, covered patios, you're leaving out garage space, you know, things like that. So <clears throat> it can be misleading sometimes 
depending on what that dollar per foot is that you're using, that can be a big uh, variance uh, that somebody may lose or miss out. So kind of what she's saying is, Jessica's saying, if you were going to do that, then let's say that you're building a 4,000 square foot home, then you have another thousand square feet between a three car garage and a, you know, and, and covered porches, covered patio, uh, you know, which is obviously very popular these days to have these outdoor living spaces. And so in that case, you would calculate, you know, hypothetically, $100 a foot at, you know, the 4,000 square feet, then you would calculate like $60 a foot for those additional spaces, right? So that's kind of what she's saying there. What I've done in the past is just blend those two together and figure out my total square footage is about 5,000 feet and then figure out that dollar per foot number that fit that, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Which would be lower. Let's say that the average price is $200 a foot. So my number might be somewhere around like 175 versus 200 a foot. Does that make sense? Yep. So, okay. Well, that was good. I mean, that's, that's something that a lot of people miss and, and, you know, Ashton's talked about it before, just how do you calculate the numbers when you're looking at raw land and building from the ground up, you know, and it's, it's similar to the sense that you have to work backwards. We need to know what the back end is going to be, whether it's, you know, all, you know, budget mindset, you know, from the consumer, just what can I afford to spend? How am I going to build it? you know, what's the capital, what's the lending requirements that I'm going to do? And then, you know, what's it going to take to, to build it? Right. And what's, what's the value going to be compared to the cost to build it? Right. When y'all are doing your renovations and um, the work that y'all are doing, are y'all hiring contractors, like a general contractor? Are you just directly hiring subcontractors? So I've, I've been very fortunate over the years. I basically have a full-blown GC business, even though I'm not customer retail facing. Uh, primarily, I, I've kind of pulled away from that. When I developed the GC side of my business, it was built to, to support the projects that, that we bought or we purchased and then we were going to renovate and sell those. Um, eventually, that turned into bigger projects, bigger renovations, and then ground up stuff, custom homes that we built as well. And and to this day, I have about 36 different subs that that work for me, which works really well from the sense that uh, Ashton and I talk about this quite a bit because he started off and he's, um, you know, um, hired a couple GCs. And when you have a bad GC, you know, it makes it very difficult (laughs) to... To inter- interchange that GC, depending on how far along the project is, how much money you've already given in draws, you know, all of those different things. So when you do sub it out, right, you have the ability to say, okay, my electrician, this is three strikes. He's out. I need a new electrician. And you can interchange mm-hmm. that person or interchange that company, if you will, and makes it much easier <laughs> to to be able to manage the project when you have these different trades. What I've learned over the years is, you know, you need to know the quality of the trades that you're working with. And sometimes, you know, spending more, you know, for the right quality and the right trade is going to, is going to be much more efficient on your time by getting the right person in there. I've also overpaid with people that were terrible before, you know, that had a a great name behind them. And I'm like, I'm paying way too much (laughs) for this company. (laughs) They're terrible. Jessica, talk a little bit about, um, how you mentioned that you, so you, you know, you had the architectural background, obviously masters in that congrats to you. That's, that's amazing. And then working for yeah. some high end custom builds, I'm sure you've seen and done a lot of different things and obviously been able to kind of cherry pick the things that you love and, and don't like, and then 
kind of create a style, right? I think every designer architect has kind of a style that they are fascinated with, uh, even though you're, you know, you have the ability to do many different styles. For me, like I'm, I'm fascinated with mid-century modern architecture and the stuff I've built were influenced with that design in mind. And so, you know, even though I could do a lot of different things or I kind of follow, you know, when we do a lot of renovations, it's, it's following what the architect gave me to start with. Right. right. So it's like trying to play off of what that original architectural style is and then try to adapt to that with some new trends and some new things that are, you know, modernizing it, but still staying within the means, you know, you don't get into a seventies contemporary home and start putting a bunch of arches. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> some people try though. You, you, you see competition. You see a lot of competition doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's so interesting, uh, like with you, like you said, you took this in your own personal experience, ran through it and figured out like, okay, you know, people have these budgets. How do you cut this 25%? You know, so, so given a little bit of insight of kind of where you're, where you're coaching, where your business is, has morphed into and, kind of how that works. And I'm okay. also curious just in your, in, in how you guys, uh, also charge because I, I do design work as well for people. And so it's kind of always a, you know, do you do it by dollar per foot? Do you do it by the hour and the time that you have in the deal? And so that's, that's interesting as well. So go okay. ahead. So the way we save people that 25%, and that's just an estimate is basically by being their owner builder, instead of hiring a GC, we teach them how to hire all the subs themselves and the process and, you know, giving them the framework to go by so that they can feel confident and empowered to do that. And also a big aspect of that is maybe we can get into this, getting a construction loan and finding, finding those subcontractors because a lot of subcontractors kind of get plugged in with a GC like you and they don't want to you know, take a one-off job here and there. So we, we sort of give them guidance and those aspects and help them basically all through the process. And we lay out the entire process, what you need to be doing at this step, what you need to be doing at this step, how to plan. Most of it is all in the planning, right? Y'all probably know this. Like mm -hmm. Most of it happens before you even break ground. And then it's just kind of overseeing, right? Yeah. So um, we teach them basically how to do that. And by if they do it themselves, they can save at least 25%. But also if they are um, good shoppers, they find sales for appliances and fixtures, they can save even more. So high level, I mean, typical builder fee would be 25%, right? So right. that's, is that kind of where you're getting right. that number from to say, exactly. if you cut out the, the, you know, supervisor, if you cut out right. the builder slash GC and the deal, and you're able to hire all these trades yourself and follow our steps. Right then that's where you can save money by, by not hiring that GC or that builder. Right. And, and sometimes that's beneficial because again, you're able to schedule, you know, trades at your timelines versus, you know, waiting on the builder to move his schedule around. Right. You know, if he's trying to finish out a big job or a big build, he's got all of his trades loaded up over there. And that's where you have the delays, right? right. That's where people get bogged down and you have, you know, you, you know, you poured the slab and now you're waiting three months for a lumber package to show up and right. you know, you're going, right. what's going on? That's one thing that we tell our, our clients is your builder, a builder may have several projects going, you know, and you are going to be focused on this one project 
and it's your house. And so you're very invested in it. You're going to make sure that it's going to be built right, built the way you want it to be built so that, and it's your one focus. You're not, you know, here, there and everywhere. So you can do this. Sure. Now, what do you, what, what's some of the, what's some of the pushback that you get with, you know, that the biggest thing I see, right. is just the consumer that you're trying to teach this to, to say, Hey, become your own builder, become your GC. How do these people do this while maintaining their regular job, <laughs> normal lifestyle? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it, it is extremely detailed oriented mm-hmm. and very time consuming. Right. And I've known it, you know, part of the reason I don't do retail, you know, facing, you know, builds for people. I do design work because I can do that part and say, here you go. Here's the design, you know, put it together. Now go bid it out with your GC or your builders or whoever you want. But I'm kind of hands off at that point because when I have helped, you know, facilitated, you know, consumers, one of the biggest issues is getting them to make decisions, right? Is, is trying to get them to, to see the vision, plan ahead, you know, this is what you need to do. And that's even just, you know, when there is a builder involved and they, they can do their normal job, but you know, you make a phone call and you're like, Hey, I need a decision on this. Or what do you want to do with this? I don't know. I'm going to talk to my, you know, husband or wife when I get home and, you know, we'll get back to you tomorrow. And then it's like two or three days go by (laughs) and you follow up. Yeah. And that's just even on the design side. Sometimes I'm sitting there like, okay, what do you guys want to do with this? You know, we're, we're taking a foot away from here. You know, do you want to lose a foot on the balcony or do you want to lose a foot in the closet? Which one do you want? Right. To make the, the bedroom bigger. Right. And sometimes those those small decisions are like so hard for them to make the decision on, you know, and it takes a couple of days and then they get upset when there's delays on getting the plans done because now you've moved on to another plan and you're like, i got to circle back. <laughs> so, it, you know, talk a little bit on that because that's interesting that you've taken on this really extreme challenge, even though you're doing a great service. I know yeah. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> It's not an easy thing that you're doing. I definitely run into that more with my design clients where, you know, I'm making modifications on their floor plans. And the hardest thing to do is when they they say, I like this floor plan, but we need to shrink it down. Just scale everything down by like 25%. (laughs) That's not easy (laughs) Um, because walls are a certain size. Toilets are a certain size. Everything still has to fit and there's codes to make sure, you know, you don't have, you know, two inches in front of your toilet. So, um that's a difficult thing to explain to clients is it's not just like hit the 25% scale button and it just shrinks it all down. It doesn't do it that way. So, um, (laughs) but I do kind of lay out ahead of time how the process should go. I say, you know, we kind of have a preliminary design phase and then we have, and since I'm just doing little modifications, usually it's a little simpler, but I try to eliminate the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and all the decisions. So once they give me the list, I kind of go through and I get clarifications on the list of what they want to change. And like, if they're saying, you know, shrink this bathroom, take out this closet, then I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to do with that space in that closet? And I kind of find that all out at the beginning, all in one, usually an email. So I have it in writing. And, but I also in that email kind of lay out the process and say, here's the changes I'm going to make. And then I'll give you, you know, a review of it. And then if there's anything else we need to tweak from there, that's kind of the second part. And then the third part is that I make the construction documents and just kind of laying out that process kind of eliminates the, you know, do this one little thing. And then I go and ask a question and then it takes them a week to get back and then do this one little thing. And then I show it to them and it takes a week to get back. So we kind of try to lay it all out, get everything on the table in the beginning. 
And then I kind of, <clears throat> I think through how things are going to snowball. If I change this, how's that going to affect this, this, and this? And then I try to lay that out for them and make sure that we have all those decisions made right in the beginning. So we all know everything that's going to be affected. Then I get to work. Got it. So that really helps. Does this sound familiar, Ashton? Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions about this because going back in my, well, one, my sister is a decorator in Austin. And this is one of the things she runs into is just the back and forth of just, hey, I want to make this little change. Okay. And then, but that, that changes things downstream, you know, and it really can become tedious. But I would say, you know, one thing that you have going for you, and I know Tavis has had a little bit of this, is that once you get established and you have a presence online and people can see what you're bringing to the table and you have kind of a brand, I would think it would be a little bit easier for them to trust. Okay. I like this plan. Let's make a few modifications. Let's just go with it. You know what you're doing. This looks beautiful. Let's go with it. As opposed to someone who's starting out, it's just wide open and yeah, we can do that and we can do that. And, you know, so I, I would think that that has helped at the, the longer you go and the more of a brand you have, that's probably helped you out a little bit, right, Jessica? You are exactly right. And I, I definitely, I have it all the time where I'm on a Zoom with a client and they're like, oh my gosh, I just, I trust whatever you do. Just, I know you're going to do it great because I've seen your work. And, and so that is such a huge help. Occasionally, <laughs> one time recently, I had a lady, I don't know how she found me, but she didn't you know, have that trust built in. She didn't, she didn't follow me on Instagram. She didn't, I don't know, she probably some random search. She somehow found me, but she didn't have that trust built in. And I think she maybe was a narcissist, but <laughs> she, it was so, it was an uphill battle the whole way. It was awful. And yeah. so I definitely think having that, that image, having your trust already built in when you start working with a client is so important. Yeah. Well, and, and so two things, I want to double back, uh, but just real quick about scale. And I've talked to Tavis about this. And <clears throat> when I go into a house that's professionally decorated and designed and it's scale is so important. And I feel like it's really overlooked. And when you say someone just wants you to push the 25% reduction, you know, that for them, it just seems really easy, but scale, you know, Tavis and I were just talking about another builder that we've seen a lot of their work and their style is this wide open kind of modern box and it's not my style. Some people like it, but the, one of the things that just seems off is the scale of the ceilings is almost too high to be any sort of practical. The cabinets are really, really tall. I mean, how, you know, I'm tall. I, I can't use the top three shelves there. Like it's, what's the point? What's the point of a 10 foot wide hallway or, <laughs> you know, so when you have that experience and you can actually speak to Hey, I know on paper, this would make sense just to delete this, but you're going to like it this way, you know, actual having that design. I, I think that's where the professional experience and that's where that, that really is where it shows up is knowing, okay, this is going to feel right. Once we're done, just trust me in this process. Right. Right. And I think that's where we have to understand that we hire people for their expertise. You know, I don't try to do plumbing myself. I hire a plumber because I don't know about plumbing. And so when you hire a designer, you need to trust that that designer knows about scale. And you need to, if you're going to change something that's going to change the scale of a room, you need to trust that your designer may have some input about that. And I do. Like if somebody wants to change something and I have a concern, I say, look, here's the pros and cons of this. I'm going to let you decide. But in my opinion, this is not going to work. And I, I try to give an alternate solution. 
So I got a question about the subs. So I wanted to double back just a little okay. bit because I, when you were talking about subs, I was having flashback <laughs> nightmares about, because when you, when you're talking about one off. So what's interesting about Tavis and we actually had a guy, Mark Fuller on, he has a whole full-time crew. They know his style. They know exactly how to walk into a house, start demoing. I, this is what I'm going to tear out. And then it's just really like clockwork. So when you're doing one-off stuff and when I started out, you know, and I'm first hiring a tile guy and I'm first hiring a sheetrock guy and I'm having to explain some of these details, it can be a little bit tedious and especially to make sure that they're able to kind of execute on your design and, and all this sort of thing. So how do you educate people? Like what, what tips can you give people, either whether it's a first time flipper or someone who's doing their first time as a GC for their own custom house? Like, how do they go about finding a really good contractor? Are they looking at Facebook groups? Are they going to Home Depot on a Saturday to see who's busy and who's there? Do you find one really good guy and and get some references? You know, I've found that the jack of all trade guy is a horrible idea. <laughs> so I will throw that out there. If if you are working with Jessica, do not go find a jack of all <laughs> trade who says every time you ask him, can you do this? He said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> It will not go well. It sounds really convenient and awesome. It will not go well. So how do you, how do y'all educate people to find good contractors? Because most likely this is the only time they're going to do this maybe every seven years, maybe every 15 years. And so there's not going to be this momentum between projects. Right. <clears throat> we actually um, give them a list of like 10 different ways or 12 different ways to find subcontractors. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, a collection of all the different ways and then then we sort of give them the red flags to look out for like you don't want the guy who doesn't answer any of your phone calls because when you're like in the middle of building and he disappears you know you don't want to have to call him 10 times to get a hold of him or the one that just doesn't listen to you and what you're looking for and he just does whatever he wants like you have to look for, for certain red flags but we also tell people for how to find them like on the list is um, realtors can be a good um, resource. Definitely like Facebook groups, but not the Facebook groups you would think. Maybe like a mom's group because, you know, the moms have hired plumbers, they've hired electricians, they've, you know, they've had these issues come up. They needed a, you know, drywall patch. So they may have painters, things like that. So um, that's one resource. The, the biggest help that I think is your personal network because, you know, if you go to church with Johnny, the plumber, then he's going to want to do a good job for you. <laughs> and then from there, once you find, you know, a good subcontractor that you connect with and that you're kind of feeling good about, you can ask that subcontractor for other subcontractors that he's worked with in the past that he has seen good work from. And you can get sort of your list starting to roll from there. And then just everyone, just ask them, okay, so your framer might know a trim carpenter. So then you can ask, you know, ask around about that trim carpenter and off always, always, always we say, get references, ask around about that person, not just ask them. So say you're hiring Johnny, the plumber, don't ask Johnny. You can't ask Johnny, the plumber for his references. Definitely do that and call them, but also ask other people about Johnny, the plumber. That's right. definitely something we recommend. Does that help? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I did have a couple questions though, just regarding you know in timelines, right? So I, because what you're you know what you're talking about and teaching these guys to do this um, on a on a one off, 
it sounds very time consuming for you, for one, because I'm sure you get a lot of phone calls with the past clients that you're teaching this, right? And I'm sure you get plenty of phone calls that people are stuck or they're in a, uh, a position. I, and one thing I just wanted to highlight too, Ashton, just where I was saying, you know, does this sound familiar? I think it's, there's a lot of synergy here in just planning and preparing, uh, you know, for your project. Right. So this works with renovation projects. This works for new builds is truly sitting down and mapping out beginning to end of what you want your goal to be. I I usually ask the million dollar question, what's your style, right? What style are you trying to achieve? And then I'll ask, you know, clients or even myself, um, I'll I'll start kind of finding inspiration photos, right? On house and things like that, that will kind of at least get me in a sector that is kind of going this direction, right? With style. And you mentioned that yesterday with one of your, you know, having the mindset now of being in that uh, Casa Linda area. And you're like, oh, you know, there's a lot of Spanish influence and things like that. So I'd, I'd like to do that, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but knowing that genre and kind of sticking to it and then pre-planning ahead because speed is all about how much you prepare, right? It's all about how much you've prepared ahead of time, the design choices, you know, ordering things way ahead of the time that you can physically, visually see those things in place, you know, your cabinets, for instance, things that take a long time. So it's knowing, you know, fabrication timelines, right? And things like that. Like I told you, I'm floating on the boat in the Caribbean and get a hold of my countertop guy and I'm like, hey, show up over there, template it, you know send me what you got. This is my budget. And he sends me a couple pictures. I'm like, done, you know, template it. Let's get it going. Right. So, I mean, we already know what it is and now I can build around that because I've already selected countertops, you know, I've already selected fireplace, you know, uh, marble and stuff like that. And then this week is tile. Right. And I, I already know my paint colors I already kind of know the genre. So it's a lot easier to make these decisions ahead of time and then pre-ordering you know, plumbing fixtures and things like that. And we talked about that a little bit just on your last project, right? Of knowing, you know, your, your contractor put in Kohler valves, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And once you realize that, you know, it was like, oh no, now you're stuck in Kohler and it's one of the most expensive plumbing fixtures out there. Um, And you were limited, right? Because you were stuck in, in that deal. So, but, you know, going along with that, with Jessica just, you know, I'm interested in the timelines, like what your expectations are for somebody, you know, when they're doing this themselves. Cause I, I feel like this is, well, it could be good, but it could also be bad. Like <laughs> somebody with your experience or my experience building it ourselves, I feel pretty confident in doing it right. in a very, you know, right. efficient timeline. But, you know, when you rely on a builder that's done it a hundred times, you know, if, if they give you their focus, then Yes, they should be pretty efficient with their time as well. You know, we had George Roddy Jr. on uh, a couple weeks ago, and he has a company called Rosso Homes. And they pride themselves on being able to build a home, you know, from the slab to finish in 100 days. (laughs) And, you know, this is 3,500 square foot home with two-car garage, and they could do it in 100 days, you know. And it's just mind-blowing right and they do a great job they it's quality it's just they've got their systems right. you know and they've got their systems and they got their projections ahead of time obviously through covid and the you know the things that we had with supply issues a couple of years ago that wasn't the case you know and they were their hands were tied um 
you know, with the supply issues that we had. But I'd be curious, just kind of what are some of those expectations that you put out there? Um, and, um, you know, what does that look like? Most of our, most, I'd say like 75% of the people who are, um, owner building or, you know, building one of our floor plans have to get a construction loan. And so usually construction loans, you have to be finished building, um, within a year, 12 months. And so we, Mm, we advise our um, owner builders to aim for like eight or nine months. That way, when there's delays, you know, you don't have to stress too much. You still have, you know, three or four months um, of buffer. (laughs) And so, and if you do go over that timeline, it's not the end of the world. You just are going to have to pay a fee or something. So um, we do tell people aim low and then, you know, stay on top of it. We give them it's a book. It's like a 90 page book with the entire construction Mm -hmm. process laid out and how long each step should take. And it's kind of a low end and a high end. For instance, we have found in talking to a lot of people and in our own experience that the framers will always tell you it's going to be three weeks and it's typically three months. So, um, from a ground up. (laughs) So we, um, (laughs) that's just, you know, it seems like, from talking to people, that's the story we always get. And that's the exact story that we had. So both times we built. So it's kind of having an optimistic outlook, but a sort of realistic in your mind um, number. So yeah, awesome. You can do it in three weeks framers. That would be fantastic. And then just really, I believe in you, you're going to do it. Let's get this done in three weeks. But knowing in your head, it's probably going to be three months and not to stress about it because you have that time built into your timeline. So we're aiming for eight or nine months, you know, it's usually probably going to be like 10, but that's usually what owner builders can do is average of about nine or 10. Average square footage would be what, that you're helping these people build? What, what's about the average? the average is 3000 square feet. Okay. Okay, cool. And then another big question is how are you getting the banks to approve <laughs> this type of process? That is a good question. And that is probably... The number one question I posted on Instagram um, one time, the first time I mentioned that we owner built, like my comments were filled with, how'd you get a loan? You know, owner build, owners can't be builders. You can't get a loan with the bank. How'd you finance it? Like every single one of them. And so that is the big one. I would say we, we have a list in our program of banks that lend or lenders that lend to people who want to owner build in each state. And then some of them are like nationwide lenders. And then, you know, we definitely suggest that you have, you work on your credit score, get your credit score as high as you possibly can before you try to apply for the loan. And we give you basically a breakdown of how to make yourself look like a sure bet to the lender so that you are going in, putting your best foot forward. You're showing them that you know what you're doing. We kind of talk about things in your past, even if you've never worked in construction, you have probably hired a plumber. You've probably hired an electrician. You maybe have even done a renovation project in your house. So we kind of brainstorm those things that could be like experience in the construction industry that you can put forth to the lenders and show that you do have experience. And um, we give you a loan application checklist. There's 11 things on it that you want to include in your loan application so that you not only 
can show them that you know what you're doing, but you actually look better than some of the GCs that are applying for loans because a lot of GCs applying for loans are not organized. They just, you know, scratch some stuff on paper and turn that in. And they're just relying on the fact that they have a license to get this loan. But you're going to be organized. You're going to show them how you're, you've got a schedule, you've got a budget, you've got it all laid out. You know exactly, you might even know what toilet you're going to put in your guest bathroom at this point. Because in order to get your budget numbers, you have already probably started calling subcontractors and getting kind of rough bids for things and so that you can have a number in your budget to show to the bank. And so basically by the time you get your construction loan application completed, you've done almost all the planning that you need to do for your build. And you probably know which contractor you want to go with. You probably know what kind of flooring you want to use. You know all of this stuff. It's already picked out. Now it's just time to get that loan and get it built. And Jessica, for you, with 90,000 followers that you have, I imagine you're getting pulled in several different states. Are you running into different challenges with processes and, you know, requirements and things like that from the city? And some places need, you know, architectural plans that are stamped. I mean, I I guess that's where you come in to play that. But does your architectural license allow you to stamp plans in other states? Is that something that's universal or most, how does that work? Most states don't require an architectural stamp drawing um, for residential. As long as it's not over a certain amount of square footage or over Got like it. four stories, you don't have to have. Actually, I think that's all the states. Now, if you go bigger or higher, then you're Got probably going to have to have at least uh, an engineering stamp, which because I'm working with people all over the country, I tell them you need to go to an engineer locally who knows your local codes and your local conditions. Like um, California, I have a client in California. Mm -hmm. I told them you need to go to a California structural engineer and have your foundation engineered, your house engineered by someone in California because they're going to know your seismic issues and um, wind loads and things like that, snow loads. So I tell everybody when you order stock plans, you want to have your house looked over by an engineer, no matter where you are, um, because there are so many different connection conditions all across the country. And you can't, I can't design one house that meets all of those conditions. And nobody wants mm-hmm. to have all those conditions built into their house because it would cost unnecessary money. So definitely something good to do is to have an engineer look, look over those yeah. and stamp those. And that's that's a great word. Even local and, and everything I've worked with and any designs that I do now for people, that's where I go from that. You know, I say, hey, we'll, we'll design the plans, we'll design the floor plan and the elevations, et cetera. And then, you know, give this over to an engineer and then let them do the foundation design, let them do the framing plan. Right. And it's not um, as, and that kind it's of not thing. as costly as you think it's going to be to have that engineered and to have, but the peace of mind that you're going to have knowing that it was designed specifically for your site. Cause even if you take a core sample from, you know, here and then move 10 feet over there, you may have completely different soil. So that's yep. how much, you know, things vary. So you want to have it engineered for your specific site. All right. So as we are kind of wrapping up a little bit, Jessica, that has been an, like a ton of awesome, <laughs> awesome information. Of course, you guys have, like you said, 20 page book and you've got all sorts of resources. So I want to leave plenty of time because if someone, you know, called me up and said, Hey, you know, uh, how can you help me? I was like, well, I can be your realtor <laughs> or I can flip a house and we can work right. together. If someone calls Jessica, it, it's, it sounds like there's a lot of ways that you can connect with people 
help people. I know you'll have the building program. I know you do design work. So please talk a little bit about, you know, your customer facing stuff. How do people reach out to you? What are the programs you offer? Uh, and that sort of thing. So um, everyone kind of knows how they can, you know, get a little bit of a piece of the Jessica star, <laughs> you know, magic on the, on the plans and on the, the Instagram page, because her stuff does look beautiful. And if you haven't checked it out yet, you, you have to for sure find her on Instagram, but tell us a little bit about some of the programs you got, okay. Jessica. Um, my website is oldbarncompany.com. And on there you'll find our floor plans, our information about our, it's called bootstrap builders is our um, owner builder course um, program. And then you'll also find, we have blog posts about like one recent one I did about um, shutters, do's and don'ts, and then how we also built our shutters. Um, there's a tutorial there. And there's some design considerations, some articles about how to save money while building. One very popular article is um, must-haves in your next home. So, you know, there's things we go into like detail about like this specific outlet you want in your next home, things like that. Um <laughs> So um, there's lots of good articles on that website. The floor plans are on the website. I also have a YouTube, which is, um, I believe, Old Barn Company on YouTube. And on there, we have tours of our own house, but we have also traveled across the country and toured six, seven, eight, I don't know how many homes that people have built using my plans. So we um, we share those on the YouTube channel. And then on Instagram, cool. it's um, the.old.barn on Instagram. I just share, <laughs> I don't know, random stuff every day. Sometimes it's just like, you know, the dog sitting on the chair. <laughs> but um, there's tours on there. You can see snippets of my house all over that page. I also share other um, builds of the floor plans on there. So there's, you know, you can see this person built this house. This person built this house. I'll share little snippets on there, especially in the stories. I'll share the other um, people who have built the plans. And um, yeah, so yeah. That's where you can find me. Well, and pretty soon, my understanding is you can also see your house in a national ad campaign for Francesca's, <laughs> the jewelry company. Is that correct? Is this is this rumor that is correct? correct? That is correct. Francesca's came to our house in, in October and they made it snow here with fake snow nice. everywhere. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and um, they did a like a winter That's campaign. Awesome. And so, yeah, you'll see our house on the Francesca's. It's on the their Instagram page, but I think they have probably other a catalog or something that they're going to come up with too. That's awesome. Yeah. So check that out. And, and, cool. and just as a, just as a bonus, if you go onto the Instagram, you will also get really good tips on making decorated Christmas <laughs> cookies because the star family on top of being famous for their house and their design plans, they are equally as famous for their very intricate <laughs> Christmas cookies every year. It seems to get more and more <laughs> elaborate and competitive. And so maybe at some point that will take over and you'll have a whole course <laughs> on how to do that because you guys are super Thank legit you. when it comes to that. And it's a lot of fun. So you definitely want to um, check yeah. that out. So, well, man, Jessica, like, honestly, I think we just got going <laughs> and scratching the surface on how to build. I've been, it's so intricate, you know, and there's so many ways you can tweak and everyone does it slightly differently. Every GC does it slightly differently. So there's a lot of variables, but it's, it's really cool that you guys have put a framework together to say, look, here's how you do it. Here's, you're going to have success if you just follow the plan and here you can get a loan and all that. So really, really cool that you've done that. Um, as far as I am concerned, you can find me on Instagram. I'm the Dallas real estate guy. I'm on Facebook. Tavis, why don't you let people know where they can find you? I'm Tavis, like Travis without the R. <laughs> 
Um, Tavis Westbrook, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Yeah. So I'm out there on the social media platforms. Of course, check out our YouTube our YouTube page. Uh, Ashton's doing a great job building this and putting this together at the Real Estate Heavyweights podcast YouTube page. So we are slowly growing this, but uh, I mean, I think this is pretty awesome. We're creeping up on uh, 30 episodes already. So yeah, fun stuff. that's awesome. And y'all are so good at this. Y'all, I mean, I'm just amazed. Every time I see you, I'm like, he is such a natural at this. It's so good. So I love watching. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jessica. This was a, a great addition to our show today and, and really diving deep into, you know, building your team and kind of the nuts and bolts between, you know, behind the construction side of things and, and the design piece, you know, and that's something that is obviously a major connector in, in the investment world. Um, as well as, you know, the consumer world and people building their dreams. So keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Um, and you've got uh, the patience of Job <laughs> for sure <laughs> to uh, put this whole yeah. thing together because <laughs> um, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy, one, for yourself, and then to be able to uh, put this out to the general public and, and coach them through it. Um, it's quite challenging. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yep, definitely. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back this next Friday with another edition of our DFW market update. So tune in there. Keep an eye open for our stuff on Instagram and YouTube. And we really appreciate it. Love you so much. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>